Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. And we came up with this idea that we can use dead birds and make them a drone. We've got that story, plus Google's AI hallucinations. But first, James, what's up with all the 9-11 truth light lately? Bombshell filing. 9-11 hijackers were CIA recruits. I think they mean assets. At least two 9-11 hijackers had been recruited into a joint CIA-Saudi intelligence operation that was covered up at the highest level, according to a newly released court filing raising grave questions about the relationship between ALEC Station, a CIA unit set up to track Al-Qaeda chief Osama bin Laden and his associates, and two 9-11 hijackers leading up to the attacks, which was subject to a cover-up at the highest levels of the FBI, obtained by Spy Talk. The filing is a 21-page declaration by Don Canestraro, a lead investigator for the Office of Military Commissions, the legal body overseeing the cases of 9-11 defendants. It summarizes classified government discovery disclosures and private interviews he conducted with anonymous high-ranking CIA and FBI officials. Many agents who spoke to Canestraro, Canestraro, that's tough, even for an Italian boy, I haven't seen that name before, Canestraro headed up Operation Encore, many of the folks he spoke to headed up Operation Encore, the Bureau's aborted long-running probe into Saudi government connections into the 9-11 attacks. Despite conducting multiple lengthy interviews with a range of witnesses, producing hundreds of pages of evidence, formally investigating several Saudi officials and launching a grand jury to probe a Riyadh-run U.S.-based support network for the hijackers, Encore was abruptly terminated in 2016. This was purportedly due to a Byzantine intra-FBI bust-up over investigative methods, so just, what, internal strife and, and office warfare. When originally released in 2021 on the office's public court docket, every part of the document was, we've seen these classic ones, ah, new documents released, completely blacked out. Every part of the document was redacted except an unclassified marking. Given its explosive contents, it's not difficult to see why. As Canestraro's investigation concluded, at least two 9-11 hijackers had been recruited, either knowingly or unknowingly, I think that's the key, one of the key parts here, into a joint CIA-Saudi intelligence operation, which may have gone awry. We will include the link to the PDF, Canestraro Declaration, that 21-page piece. And spoiler, none of this is truly anything new, of course, to fans of False Flags, The Secret History of Al-Qaeda, that three DVD set we can talk about at the end of this episode. James, I was actually a little surprised. I ran the search on MediaMonarchy.com for Alex Station, and I've actually got a post from when Alex Station was shut down. I called it Osama Bin Forgotten, July 4th, 2006. So, James, if we were covering things like this back in 2006, imagine the things that we're covering now and how much they'll resonate in... 15 years, yeah. if we can make it. Yeah. Well, maybe we should have been listening to the Jameses about that fifth-generation warfare transhuman stuff. Huh? Maybe. Oh, boy. I hope not. I hope we are totally wrong. But in the meantime, uh, I found this story interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because bombshell, 9-11, oh, they were the hijackers were recruits, so the CIA, wow, okay. So I clicked into this, and the first thing I did, I noticed... Okay, here's a big summary of this document, but here's the link of the document up top. So the first thing I did was click into the document, and I started reading. And I actually, it became almost like a game. 
Like, how far will I have to go through this document before I find something that isn't covered or hasn't been covered or talked about or known about for many years? And I kept reading and reading and reading and reading, and oh, <laughs> no, uh, there's really nothing new in here. Um, it, it, I'm not going to dismiss it as unimportant, but I think it is important for people to situate in the right context. So as you say, for people who saw, at, at the very least, False Flags, The Secret History of Al-Qaeda, will already know the bare bones of this story and the various players involved in it. And if you followed up on that with my False Flag reading list from QFC, uh, number 93, that I did uh, a few months ago of the the many, many, many dozens of books that I, I consulted in the creation of that documentary. If you followed those links, then you would know all of this. So in a sense, hey, test your 9-11 chops. Um, go through this document. And when they talk about, uh, uh, he gives these code names for the different FBI agents and things that he talked to, you will know the names of those agents that are redacted in this document, like the FBI agents who were stationed at Alex Station, who were trying to send this information to the FBI, blah, blah, blah. You will know those names because you you already know this stuff. The the acronyms, the VVV and HHH, the, the deputy head of Alex Station and blah, blah, blah. You will know who these people are. You don't need a you know, magic unredactor because you will already know this from the... It's been reported before. Anyway, so that might be a, a fun little game for... 9-11 truthers to play. But anyway, uh, I, I, this article also does an absolutely horrible job of trying to explain... It, it really doesn't explain who this Canestraro guy is or what his place in it is. So I will throw people back to actually the source of this, um, floridabulldog.org, uh, which um, notes that uh, Canestraro is part of the defense team for Guantanamo detainee Amar al-Baluchi a Pakistani citizen who's awaiting trial with four other men accused of planning the 9-11 attacks. So this is part of the the big KSM, you know, trial thing that's never, never, ever, ever actually going to happen, but there's still stuff being filed. This is part of that. So this is a defense lawyer working, or def part of the defense team working at Guantanamo. In that sense, this is an important document. And it has some interesting pieces of this puzzle, especially if you don't know the story of these particular... Uh, dupes, patsies, moles, agents, recruits, whatever you call them. It's got all of the bare ba basic details of that. And it's even got Richard Clark on record saying 9-11 was a false flag, which is kind of a big deal. Oh, you mean the counter-terror czar under Clinton and Bush says 9-11 was a false flag operation? Of course, he means it in a very specific way, which I talked about in False Flags, the Secret History of Al-Qaeda. And I guess the, the sort of overall picture to take from this is I, I won't dismiss it by saying this is limited hangout because that isn't quite the right way of understanding it. It is the Russian nesting doll. Yes, there is absolutely this level, this layer of Saudi intelligence involvement in handling the patsies, dupes, moles, distractions, whatever you want to call them, that were being shuffled around and enabled to, uh, to do what they so supposedly did on 9-11. And that is actually part of the story, and it is an important part. But that's only one of the, the layers. And when you open up the next layer, oh, oh, actually, it was a CIA operation that they were they were uh, outsourcing to the Saudi GID so that they could then legally spy in the United States. But why were they doing that? And you keep uh, having to take f go further and further into the Russian nesting doll to get to the real story. So I, I don't dismiss this. I don't think it's unimportant, but I think it is part of a much larger story. If you want a window 
into that larger story, obviously start with False Flags, The Secret History of Al-Qaeda. I also had a debunking the 28 pages conversation with Dan Dix back in 2016, where we talked about a lot of this part of the story. And even back in 2011, I have an interview with Kevin Ryan about playing the get into Saudi Arabia free card. Um, which is essentially part of what this is about, is at any time they can come out and say, actually, 9-11 was Saudi, and now we have the right to go in there, which is sort of the sword of Damocles hanging over them as they start inching towards the Chinese umbrella. There's some big geopolitical ramifications to all of this kind of stuff. Anyway, if you want that, I will put the links in the show notes so people can uh, inform themselves to their heart's content. Meanwhile, awkward monkey side-eyes from Israel, of course, as well. <laughs> Man, I wish we had the, the production might and budget to be able to bust out the 29th Plane documentary. Because as we've been talking about here recently, it's like TMZ has the 5th Plane documentary featuring, of course, noted fan and stalwart of 9-11 Truth, Bill Maher. <laughs> so... Bill Maher and Tucker Carlson, two on-the-record haters of 9-11 Truth, now get to now they get to play the 9-11 Truth. That's what's so strange about this, James. I know we talked about this off-air, and I'm not actually sure if you did. Did you ever actually do a piece on CNN discussing Terrence Yankee and, and Oklahoma City? Yeah, I did a flashback just a little while ago to my Terrence Yankee piece where I went through that article, which is actually... Not a bad article. It actually has a lot of good information in it. It's just why, why twenty plus years later, huh? Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, you know, well, you know what I say. All my all my phrases about conspiracy business. Uh, it is, of course, uh, the anniversary of all of those massive, ginormous events like Waco and Oklahoma City, and all of those going on pretty much right now. As I come to you, April nineteenth, twenty twenty-three, on New World Next Week, episode five hundred and seventeen. Our second story: Google CEO Sundar Pichai says AI's potential downsides keep him up at night. Google CEO Sundar Pichai believes artificial intelligence is the most profound technology in the history of human civilization, more important than fire and electricity, and he's not being hyperbolic at all. But he doesn't understand fully how it works. He said this in an interview with CBS's 60 Minutes on April 16th, just this past Sunday. We need to adapt as a society for it. This is going to impact every product across every company, Pitchai said. Recent breakthroughs in AI in a conversation with CBS journalist Scott Pelley. Google in February, James, I hadn't even heard anything about this, introduced Bard an AI chatbot to, of course, compete with ChatGPT and Microsoft's new Bing. And Google's recently made it available to the public. In an internal letter to the Gulag Little Eichmanns in March, Pichai said the success of Bard will depend on public testing and caution. Things could go wrong as the chatbot improves itself through interacting with users. He told Scott Pelley Google intends to deploy AI in a beneficial way. Well, there we go. All, all good. good. Good night, everybody. They're going to do it in a beneficial way. But suggested how AI develops, you know, it might be totally beyond our control. It's, you know, maybe think of it like once they let loose all the weird Terminator seeds from Bear Santo. I don't know what's going to happen. So far, Bard's performance is impressive at times and confusing at others. They note it was super fast and accurate on a Ernest Hemingway quote. 
But in another test, however, Pelly asked Bard about inflation and received a response with suggestions for five books that, when he checked later, don't exist. I thought it first meant like one of them didn't exist. All five books don't exist. In the AI industry, this type of error is called a hallucination, and engineers aren't sure why they happen. Pitchye added that it's similar to how little scientists understand about how the human mind works. Quote, we don't have all the answers there yet, and the technology is moving fast. Does that keep me up at night? Absolutely, end quote, he said. In late March, of course, Elon and a group of tech leaders signed an open letter calling for a six-month pause in developing AI systems that are more powerful than OpenAI's newly launched GPT-4. I will include the link to 60 Minutes, nearly half-hour advertisement for Alphabet Incorporated, posted conveniently to Alphabet Incorporated's ThemTube, the AI revolution, Google developers on the future of artificial intelligence. And I've also got an archived article from the Washington Post, Washington vows to tackle AI as tech titans and critics descend. James. All right. Well, since you raised the uh, specter of broken clock Elon Musk, he is right twice a day. And in this case, uh, there's a recent uh, post up. I'm a, uh, Elon Musk, colon, I'm a speciesist and pro-human. Google's Larry Page wants to become a digital god. And he's talking about the late night conversations that him and Larry Page used to have about AI. And he thinks that, well, uh, and Larry Page apparently at some point accused Elon Musk of speciesism because he was concerned about, you know, the future of humanity as opposed to the future of AI. Anyway, take that for what it's worth. The personal reminiscences of uh, technocratic huckster Musk. Oh, we save us from the AI with my brain chip. But anyway, um, I think there is definitely some very, very big worries about what Google is cooking up, especially people like Ray Kurzweil and others, these insane transhumanist uh, uh, would-be tyrants that are buried deep within the uh, the... The, the bureaucracy of Google. But don't worry, guys, the U.S. government's going to come, come along and solve everything. Um, that's basically the gist of that Washington Post article you're referencing there, which is worth a read if only to see what... Uh, so here's this big existential threat to the future of humanity, and don't worry, guys, the FTC recently issued a warning telling companies they could face penalties if they falsely exaggerate the promise of artificial intelligence products and don't evaluate risks before release. All right, Whew, problem solved, guys. But you will appreciate that they called, uh, apparently, um, the Justice Department's top antitrust enforcer said uh, at South by Southwest last month that his office had launched an initiative called Project Gretzky, to stay ahead of the curve on competition issues in artificial intelligence markets, which is apparently a reference to Wayne Gretzky's famous quote that you have to, don't go where the puck is, go where the puck is going. So they're going to go where the puck is going when it comes to AI. And don't worry, guys, the government regulators are on the case. And what does that mean? Oh, uh, meanwhile, Lou is working on legislation to build a government commission to assess artificial intelligence risks and create a federal agency that would oversee the technology, similar to how the Food and Drug Administration reviews drugs coming to market. Getting buy-in from a Republican-controlled House for a new federal agency will be a challenge. He warned that Congress alone is not equipped to move quickly enough to develop laws regulating artificial intelligence. Yes, we need more power, more laws, more government. Government will save us, guys. Anyway, that 
is ridiculous and should send a chill down the spine of anyone who's listened to my conversation on Upton Sinclair's The Jungle from Film Literature New World Order number 35, where I talked about the creation of the FDA largely on the back of the hype that was gymmed up about the meatpacking industry for a good reason. It was a horrible, corrupt, dirty industry in every possible way. But the solution was the FDA, which has served us well ever since. Happily ever after, guys. So, hmm, maybe that's not going to be the real answer here. But I will just put it in people's lap, because I know everyone likes to endlessly talk about, well, it's not real intelligence. Me, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right, guys. It ain't real intelligence, of course. But it's doing some really seriously creepy things, and more creepy by the day. There are a million examples that are coming out every single day now. I almost can't avoid them in the news feeds anymore. Um, I, I just saw Dream Dreamrix or something like Dreamix, maybe it was called, um, from Google, which is their new technology for text to video. You type in what you want to see and it generates the video. And there are some pretty convincing ones that it's able to generate. Sorry, Brock, you're almost out of a bit job, but... Don't worry, because then pretty soon it'll just be like, generate a post in the style of James Corbett and edit it in the style of Brock West, and <laughs> you'll have your new Corbett Report documentary. Yay! Uh, you think that's a joke? Uh, Axios.com. AI copyright in spotlight after platforms pull fake Drake song. Yep, some guy digitally generated a completely fake Drake and the Weeknd song, and it got pulled for copyright. Copyright? But it's... Whose song is it, anyway? Anyway, and um, more seriously, Activist Post has this up, ChatGPT introduces next level of satellite surveillance, which talks about how a researcher used ChatGPT connected into satellite image databases to, f to track the this Chinese spy weather balloon, remember when the UFOs were going to take over the planet Earth a couple months ago? They, they were able to track the, the entire journey of that balloon from satellite imagery by giving a crude drawing of what they thought a balloon would might look like on satellite imagery and then asking ChatGPT to go through and find it. And they were able to track the entire progress of this from the bajillions of images that they had. That's the real kind of thing that this is good at. Obviously, this isn't intelligence and it's not thinking and it doesn't have a soul, but it can do these incredibly um, impossible things for average humans to do in the blink of an eye. And as this article goes on to to point out, of course, what is the dream of this? Well, eventually, of course, they want to be able to feed in absolutely anything and for the the uh, the AI to be able to track where that is anywhere on planet Earth because of the pervasive satellite imagery that's being put up there from Bill Gates and whoever else is putting up the uh, global satellite networks. So that's part of what's coming in the near future. But anyway, if you want the, my real, real take on this, I will direct people back to my editorial from a couple months ago, The Real Dangers of the Chatbot Takeover, where I posit that perhaps it isn't the Skynet Terminator future that we need to be worried about so much as the Spike Jones's Her future. For anyone who saw that movie, if you didn't, I think it's at least worth a uh, consideration because for my money, I think the most scary part of all of this is how people will start to interact with and treat this as as some sort of oracle, as some sort of thing. I'm already seeing the headlines on a daily basis now. AI says blah, 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 and therefore it must be true, right? It's already starting to infest people's minds, and at, at the point at which people start developing relationships with their operating systems, like in her, uh, it's game over for humanity. Anyway... 
on that happy note. <laughs> <laughs> you said a lot of media monarchy things there, James. I'm actually more of a fan of Electric Dreams. If anybody's seen that film from the mid-80s, nearly the same exact story. A guy gets a computer who slowly takes over his life and falls in love with his girlfriend. Similar, different. Electric Dreams. I'll, I'll include a link. It's got fantastic music. They, they ran it on TV all the time. That's, that's how I saw it. Um, we are pretty big fans of the gif we made of you doing a giant rail of the science. We use that GIF all the time in the Media Monarchy Discord. I think we might need to make one of you going, actually, and pushing your glasses up. We use, use that one a lot as well. Um, and since you mentioned the great one, I will shoehorn in the mention that I did win the Monarchy Hockey Championships. Finally, on this New World Next Week, episode 517, I meant to ask James if I could make this joke on the air. Philip K. Dick heads, take note. Birds aren't real? Dead birds get new life. New Mexico researchers develop taxidermy bird drones. Taking this from Reuters, scientists right down here in New Mexico are giving dead birds a new life with an unconventional approach to wildlife research. A team at the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology in Socorro is taking birds that have been preserved through taxidermy, which is actually a huge thing fish and wildlife departments do. I saw a ton of that actually in West Virginia back, back in the day. But what they weren't doing was converting them into drones to, well, let's say we're studying flight right now. James, I've already sort of jumped three moves down the chessboard to see that they're, now they're just saying, oh, this is, you know, this is good for energy. I've already followed it down the road. This is, this is not going to be a good thing. Dr. Mostafa Hassanalian, a mechanical engineering professor who is leading the project, has found that artificial mechanical birds not given the results they were looking for. We came up with this idea that we can use dead birds and make them into a drone. Everything is there. We do reverse engineering. Taxidermy bird drones currently being tested in a purpose-built cage at the university can be used to understand better the formation and flight patterns of flocks. That, in turn, can be applied to, of course, the aviation industry. If we learn how these birds manage energy between themselves, we can apply that into future aviation industry to save more energy and save more fuel. The current taxidermy bird prototype flies for a maximum of only 20 minutes, so the next stage is to figure out how to make it fly longer and conduct tests in the wild among living birds. In unrelated news, they are also working on bird flu. Vaccine makers prep bird flu shot for humans just in case. And I will include the video that shows these birds flying. It shows some of the doctors talking about it, doctors, scientists. Godlike researchers working on it. New Mexico researchers develop taxidermy bird drones. Hey, sorry, we, we killed all the real birds with geoengineering and 5G and experimental mRNA shots, but here's their reanimated corpses to spy on you for your social credit score. James, this, I don't know, this kind of strikes me as a horrifying and, dare I say, satanic affront to nature. What, what about you? Yeah, that's about right. I think I read this story before. I think it was called Frankenstein, right? Yeah, crazy. And you know, you know, eventually, it's coming for humans. They'll they'll take dead humans and they'll they'll drone them up and then they'll put the AI in them and they'll it'll be like make a clone of James Evan Pilato. Oh, okay. Here's his animated corpse. <laughs> yeah, absolute insanity, absolute total craziness. Hey, but I'll take your 
bird drones, and I'll raise you pigeon-guided missiles. You remember that? Um, B.F. Skinner, working for the U.S. military in World War II, what did he come up with? Hey, you know how I've spent all that time teaching pigeons how to, like, do things in order to get their pellet rewards to prove that humans are basically machines? Well, why don't we take those pigeons and get them to guide missiles into enemy targets? Yay! Um... Bat bombs, cat bombs, um, all sorts of things were uh, tested out. Um, you would know all about that if you remember my 2017 video on five unbelievably stupid ideas government actually tried. That was one of them, animals as weapons. So there's unfortunately a precedent for this kind of stuff. But they, uh, yeah, taking the dead animals and reanimating their corpses is kind of taking it to a different place, isn't it? It again. I'm a, I'm the broken record. They steal the real and sell you the fake. Man, look at those beautiful palm trees. Oh wait, those are 5G towers. This it just kind of strikes me all in the similar way, James. <sighs> Newworldnextweek.com. <laughs> As we announced for you last week, Newworldnextweek.com does have those brand new corporate report. 2011 USBs. They are now in and they are shipping. Plus, of course, those DVDs like the secret history of Al-Qaeda, false flags that we talked about earlier, plus t-shirts, and of course, my Danny Casolaro octopus radio play. In other news, spring break, dude! I'm going to take next week off the air from Media Monarchy, and then the week following that, James, you've got, I had to look it up, Golden Week? Is, is is what that is. Okay. Well, you guys don't celebrate Golden Week in the U.S.? Come on. Yeah. Golden Week. So for, that's... Uh, it, it. There's a big holiday, that Wednesday, all that stuff. Japanese public holiday, which of course means stuff's closed and family schedules are all wrecked and thrown up into the air. So that means, of course, what age, whatever like, major psyops happen, like maybe even by the time people are listening to this tomorrow on 420... So that between now, 420, and May Day, we'll, we'll have to analyze all of that. Then, when we return, James, that is New World Next Week, episode 517. Don't, don't worry about it, James. Nothing important ever happens when we're gone. It's, just, it's always quiet news cycle, and we come back, and then the news starts up again, right? Well, I'm looking forward to whatever craziness will be here in the next few weeks. Uh, anyway, see you next month. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care.